Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Raw Knuckles podcast. We'd really appreciate it if you'd like, subscribe, and share with a friend. When I stepped on the ice, I never backed down, and I never stayed down. And I was vicious, and I was malicious, and I don't care. All right, Dennis, welcome in the Raw Knuckles podcast. Uh, listen, uh, the Habs this week, not a bad week uh, as far as the way they played at times. They lose mm-hmm. in Minnesota. Uh, Winnipeg, 3-2 in overtime. They played a, a, a damn good road game in there. Then they come mm-hmm. home Saturday night, and Vegas comes in. 6-4 game. God, it was an exciting game to watch at times. They were in it, and then all of a sudden they weren't. You know, 5-2, it looks yeah. like they're done. They battle back, but it looks like they're just trading too many chances, taking too many risks, and it ends up costing them. Yeah, they're not a great defensive team right now. You know, it's as simple as that. They're, 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 get used to these type of games, especially with a team that cycles well. It's got a lot of size around the net in Vegas. They weren't going to win that game, but it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's, it's you learn. It's that, like that's right now. Vegas and Boston are the goal standards in the NHL. So they are up against a team that is clicking on all cylinders. And if they are going to play that way, Nux, they're going to have to get 925, 930 save percentages from the goal to from Allen and Mountainbaum. They're not going to get that. So the, this is going to be more typical of the, a week of the Habs. You know, they, right, they played decent in Minnesota, didn't deserve to win the game. Played well in in, in in Winnipeg, got a point, and then came up against a, a powerhouse team in Lusso at five, six, and one. They are what the the record says they are. So, I, I think I think you got to concentrate on, you know, the scoring by Caulfield, the all around game by Suzuki. Soskowski scored another goal. I think that's what you got to take away from these games. Not did they win or lose, and how do they look about them? They're not going to look good on a lot of nights. And you're right, they are going to trade a lot of chances because they are certainly not a shutdown team. But Nuxle City. The way this league is playing right now, this, I don't think you need to shut teams down. You have to outscore them. It used to be a race to three in this league. And I talked yeah. to Todd McClellan about this on Saturday. It's more a race to four now. Like, you got to score. you got to get three and a half, four goals a game. If you don't out average on that, you're not winning in this league right now. Yeah, and listen, it, it, it's a good sign because it, <laughs> for years here, it's been, you know, keep the other team the two goals. we got a chance to win. And then they even had a hard time scoring goals Yeah, back then. Now they're looking at certain games. Um, boy, this team can explode and do some things. Suzuki line. Kirby Doc, I think it's um, – it, it surprised me, this kid coming over here. It, it surprised, I guess the surprise for me is why did Chicago give up on him so soon? This kid mm-hmm. seems like he's got it going on right now. Yeah, yeah well, he just – he, his development was weird, right? When the first season in Chicago, I remember, first half of the season, he was terrible. He was on the fourth line, didn't do anything. Then there was a pause in play. He came back, and he was a monster at the end of the season. He was one of the reasons Mont- uh, uh, Chicago beat Edmonton in that playoff series in the bubble. He was fantastic. And then, for whatever reason, maybe lack of maturity, he just wasn't the same player after that. He looked to be the 2 seed behind Jonathan Taves. And it just didn't work, and they they tried, and it just 
you just gave up. But when you give up on a 21-year-old player, you have to scratch your head and say why that happened. I think it was, part of it was his development, and he just wasn't fitting into their system. So uh, at this point, it looks like the Habs got the benefit of that. All right, the Habs have an issue uh, with forwards, 15 forwards. Uh, it looked like they're putting uh, Pitlick on waivers today. There's a lot of talk that it was going to be Dadnoff. They're going to try and move him. Um, uh, he's on the ice today on a line. Pitlick uh, isn't practicing. He's going on waivers at two. Um, so is this bode well for Yurash Slavkovsky? Yeah, I think so. And I would play him. I, I, he he doesn't look overwhelmed. Like he's not going to play 18 minutes a night. He's not Mark Stone, right? But but to go yeah. back to June, like what that's going to do? He's a, he can go dominate. That's the conversation they're having about Shane Wright in in in, in Seattle as well. Like what good will it do for these kids to go back and play? Look, they'll get ice time and they'll dominate. And what good is it? It doesn't it doesn't serve them. Falkowski has to get used to playing against men every night and the travel. And the three games in four nights. Because it's going to happen anyway. If it's next season or last season, this is the perfect season to do. The expectations are low. He can play 12 to 14 minutes a night, find his way, maybe get up to the top six by the time the season's over. But, again, there's no pressure on this kid. As much as there's a pressure on being a first overall pick in this market, like it's there's not a lot of pressure when the expectations of the team performance isn't high. So let him get out there, let him take his lumps, let him go through scoring streaks where he's not scored in 10 games, which he's probably never dealt with before in his life. I think it's a great opportunity for players like this on lesser teams to stay up in the league. I think there's less of an interest in sending players back right now because it doesn't take you know, that – because by the time of their end of their rookie season, Nux, they're not rookies anymore. So there may be yeah. value. And, and he, so he's not starting from point zero next – season, which he would if you send him after nine games. Because th- here's the thing. I get it. You may not want to burn the, the entry level, the first year of the entry level deal. But what benefit does it do to Slavkovsky or Wright or any other player to just to play nine games and go back to get a taste? What does that even mean? Like, how does it help for your development? I want these players here, even on a lesser role, even if they're not playing every night, to play or to be around the team, to learn what it's like to be a professional, not to be the guy in junior anymore. Okay, you got to earn your way, and this is the start of it. So I'm all for Soskowski, and you're right. They do have many forwards, but this is one kid that I would want him to develop and learn from from the veterans that are on the team right now. Well, he's played nine games, right? Uh, game yeah. ten is Tuesday. So if he plays in that game, he's here, right? Game yeah, his ten. First, well, he could go. But the first year of his entry level deal will be burnt. But be burnt. I, when when you do that. You don't send the kid back then. If you had a design to send yeah. it back, you would send it back now. I don't see any reason for it because, again, you're, you're, it's not like like who's going to play if he doesn't play? If it's Mike Hoffman or Dadanoff to, to raise their trade value, you know what you have in those players. Those players aren't 22 years old. They're over 30. You know what you're going to get regardless if they play 10, 15, or 20 games. So you're not going to showcase Mike Hoffman. You know what Mike Hoffman is going to give you? He's going to give you offense. He's going to help you on the power play. So if they do decide to trade him, that's where the team goes. So how much scouting do you have to do for Mike Hoffman or Dodonov? You don't. So, again, if, if those guys sit out because Slavkovsky's playing, I don't have a problem with it because at some point some team's going to think they're going to need offensive help and they can call up Hughes and say, okay, what can we get from one of these two players? All right, Josh Anderson suspended two games by the NHL for his hit on Pietrangelo on uh, Saturday mm-hmm. night. Listen, he's tracking them all the way. Yeah, uh, Pitcher Angelo come up the boards. He kind of bobbled the puck. 
he gets it back. It, like, just bump it by those two guys and get ready for the hit. Instead, he turns. I get it. The onus is on yeah, Anderson on to pull up there. But yeah, come on. I, 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 like, don't put your – I don't know why guys put themselves in that situation. And listen, it, he deserves the two games. I he get it. He did it. I get it. But here's a guy, uh, this caliber player, who's – you know, pulling up and turning toward yeah. the boy like it, it's stupidity. He contributed to it. He did yeah, contribute it, to it. It's right. stupidity by Petrangelo. It is. He contributed. And right there, all he has to do is bump it by. He's got mm-hmm. Anderson to deal with, and I th- I don't know who else was stepping up there. But mm-hmm. you bump it by those two guys and then get ready for the hit. And instead, he turns and he gets nailed. Yeah. He deserves the two games. I get it. But uh, – these sometimes these guys today when they turn into the boards like that. Yeah, yeah, you're uh, right. You're you know? right. He contributed to the play, but again, let up and yeah, two games is is I had no problem with. It. All right, enough about uh, the Habs right now. I want to get around the league, talk a little bit about what's going on in the Boston Bruins. How in the hell <laughs> do you make a mistake like this? Now I play with Cam Neely. I know him well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I play with Don Sweeney. I know him well. I can't believe. Yeah, yeah. Did this have something to do with like looking at the Canadian situation, signing Logan Mayu, and then they say okay, and they're totally different things, right? Yeah. But mm-hmm. you know, it has to do with a player's character and what he's done. Yeah. Away from the rink, and okay. man, I I don't. How did the Bruins make that mistake? Well. Uh, there's institutional failure by the Bruins, right? And I think it, it even goes more to the reaction from the room, from the players. Like, and Bergeron has said it, he's been outspoken about it. He said, well, we didn't universally voted that we didn't want this guy, but we didn't want him on the team uh, or sign for the team. Now, I, I, there's a lot of... There's a lot of conflicting information. Like, how was he ever eligible? If Gary Bettman said he wasn't eligible to the NHL, how was he able to sign with Central Registry? He was never eligible. So I, yeah. I kind of question that. Um, it's yeah. a mess. And I think at this point in time, Miller should probably look for another career at this point in time because it's like now it's showing a light back on it. And like what he did was horrific. And certain guys in the room didn't want. Like, and I think the thing that Bergeron said was like, we are an organization that wants to help people. And this doesn't really help anyone other than maybe a, one kid who misbehaved and is going to get potentially paid him millions of dollars. So it was a lack of, I think sometimes organizations think they're Teflon and can just go sign a player and without consulting anybody, which is kind of ridiculous. And it is kind of, given who this player is in this history, not to go to the league and say, we're going to sign him is what, and that's what Batman said. That's, that's stunning to me. Like you, you have to consult with your team, with members of the organization and with the league and with the commissioner when it's a situation that this player is coming out of where I, I don't get it. I, I really don't get why they didn't think it was important to um, talk to a lot of people about this and decide other than we think he's a good player, that this works for the organization. Cause it's certainly a black eye for the organization. Um, I'm, I'm sure that, and they still haven't talked to the, the kid's parents um, that was uh, abused. Cam Neely or anybody hasn't talked to anybody. So it's just, it, it's, they're going further down a rabbit hole that they probably didn't want to go down. And uh, 
this player should just move on and, and try to do something else with his life because I, I doubt he's ever going to be an NHL player. And, and again, this doesn't look good for the NHL either. And, and listen, the Mayu signing, the Habs took a beating over it. He's mm-hmm. looks like he's going to play at some point. This happens. The Kyle Beach thing. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, from the outside looking in, uh, people, well, some people got to be scratching their heads. Well, yeah, but that that's true in any walk of life. You go to any organization, there are people that have the questionable backgrounds that are working. Like ESPN, you think there's – remember ESPN, John Skipper had to resign because a, a cocaine dealer was going to blackmail him. So <laughs> it's, in, it's, it's every walk of life. So the question is, like, how much background check do you want to do on these people and stuff like that? So I get it, like, and I get that uh, – I believe in second chances, but in, in this situation – um, given that the, the player hasn't been contrite, hasn't made an apology, hasn't done anything to make amends, and his um, his uh, agent, Eustace King, who I know, who's based here in Los Angeles, who's a really good guy, released a statement yesterday about it. I, I just don't, you know, it's about, you know, restorative justice and all this other stuff. It, it sounds really good. I think in this particular case, even though a person should have a right to make a living, uh, I just think that he... he the NHL is not an option for him right now. So I can't play. Like, and this hockey culture stuff, and people say it's another. Like, yes, there's going to be random situations where things are done wrong and, and bad people get away with stuff, and maybe they're included in the NHL. But that's true in any walk of life. I think hockey, when I think of all the good things that's happened from the sport, like, and I see all the great people I've dealt with, like that's hockey culture too. So this, this stuff is wrong. This stuff needs to be rooted. Racism needs to be rooted out of the game. But don't blame the AHL for everything, for, for bad acts for a player that, you know, that probably shouldn't be in the league. Yeah, it's a black guy. You're right. It's not systemic. Like the, the stuff that racism systemic and all this stuff is, it's not. It, it, there are situations that happen and you have to rectify them and make sure the people are punished and you move on from them and they don't have a right to earn a, a – and I feel bad for Kyle Beach, right? But to say this is rampant in the NHL, that's not true either. So right. it's, 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 you know, when you have to deal with it, it's going to come up again. It's not the last time we're going to have a situation like that because they're just bad people in the league and people that um, behave and think there's no consequences for their actions. And I think that's the most thing, the worst thing about Miller. He, there, there's consequences for actions. And what he did was so wrong. And, and not to say, hey, look, I, I talked to the family. I've talked to the individual. I've apologized. I feel awful. That hasn't happened. And when that hasn't happened, then, uh, you, again, it's a privilege to play in this league. I don't think he's earned the right to earn that privilege. All right. Uh, game against uh, uh, the Florida Panthers, LA Kings. Matthew <laughs> Kachuk suspended two games. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the game, kind of like late yeah. in the third period, right? Uh, really? Taking a shot at the goalie. Did he cause an injury there at all? Or did it look uh, worse than it was? No, potentially it was. But you're sticking your stick in the mask. That's like that's a dirty. He's sneaky dirty. And Matthew Kachuk yeah. will tell you that he will tell you he did nothing wrong. Like I talked to guys that have yeah. been around him at the U.S. development team, and he'll he'll, he'll say, "No, I just was going for the puck, and you can't do that." And they were the people were like, "Look, Jonathan Quick was not hurt, but potentially putting a stick in the in the cage that could that could blind the player." So I got no problem with it. I expected the suspension. I asked. I asked Todd McCollin after the game, do you think he was intentionally trying to hurt someone there? And Todd answers every question, and he said to me, I'm not going to answer that question. So by not answering the question, you know what his answer yeah, is. Of course he was. 
And that's Matthew's game. And I get it. He's a disturber around the net. I get it. I understand it. That was a dangerous play. And it doesn't, it's not a hockey play. And so the two games were warranted. Maybe give him a third game. But you can't be going around doing that. But that's what that player does. All righty, let's go around the league. We'll start with the Metropolitan Dennis uh, jersey right up top. I mean, it, it, does this team surprise you right now? Yeah, very much so. Because I, I, their puck possession game is amazing. They're, I think the top puck possession game. In, Jesper Bratt's been unbelievable. Okay. Um, but their defense has really stood up to me. That's a John Marino coming over from Pittsburgh. And I had some cap issues. You get John Marino, it's really solidified the defense. Dougie Hamilton looks like the guy that they signed for $9 million a year. And they're still not getting great goaltending. Vanacek's been okay. But, yeah, I'm very surprised by this team. If they can keep Jack Hughes healthy with Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes as the one-two punch at the center and they get some scoring from their wings, it's a great start. Um, and remember, Nux, that's why you don't listen to fans. Because after two games, they were chanting Fire Lindy. Yeah. I don't think they're chanting. I don't think they're chanting Fire Lindy right now. They probably think he's coach of the year. They think he's up for the Jack Adams in the course of a couple of weeks. So you have to have patience. And the goaltending wasn't very good. So I think that the goaltending um, has to stand up. But their offense has been really, really good. I really like their offense. And but to me, it's a surprise. I, I did not think they would be challenging even this early. A team like Carolina for the lead in the Metro. Yeah, I played with Lindy in New York, and I absolutely love the guy. He's a great teammate. And I felt so bad for him when they were yeah. <laughs> chanting, fire Lindy, fire. Oh, God, the poor bastard. But look at him now. Yeah. I hope that continues for him. And looking at that Metropolitan down the bottom, Wash, Pittsburgh, Columbus. Mm-hmm. Columbus, 3-9. Uh, and oh, like, oh. Listen, I know there was going to be some issues there, right, when, when mm-hmm. uh, you know, things happened there that, um, happened as far as going through and guys moving in and out, and they bring in Johnny Goudreau. But, um, God, poor Johnny ain't the answer either right now. Well, he doesn't skate backwards and he doesn't play goal. Their goaltending and defense has been horrible. And granted, I guess Colorado got healthy against them. Um, but look, the one thing, the one game they lost 6 3, they were up, they were down 3 0 and fought back to 3 3. So there's still some try in this team. It's just there, there's no structure. And they're not getting any goaltending. Now, Corpusello just came back. He was injured. They've had a bunch of injuries in the net. But this team that, like, even with Johnny, you thought, okay, maybe maybe they're a wild card team. They're not a wild card team. They just, their defense and goaltending has been atrocious. And that's why they're at the bottom of, of the conference. They're just not a very good team right now. I'm not sure how, the, how Johnny's going to fix that. They're going to have to outscore their mistakes. And when you do that, you don't win a lot of games 5-4 in this league, Knox, and that's what they probably have to do at this point in time. So it's been a struggle, not totally surprised, uh, because when I looked at their goaltending defense, it's going, okay, they may score some goals, they may be a better team offensively, but the other side of the puck really hasn't been there at all for them this season. All right, we're talking last week about uh, the Leafs and the coach and possibility. It looked like it might have been on the chopping block. Next thing, they win a couple games, a big one against Boston. Obviously, their mm-hmm. second loss of the season. They bounce back, and uh, things look good for Sheldon Keefe right now. But when I look at – and listen, I know Detroit's rebuilding, and they have been going through a lot of pain yeah. the last couple of years. But are we seeing – the fruits of that right now, and can that continue, Dennis? What Detroit uh, De- is doing with Detroit, yeah, because they've got a lot of talent. Most Sider's a man. He's just he was he was the call the winner. He's going to play twenty two minutes a night. This kid Soderblom was six foot eight on the sixth on the third line is really good. But the, here's the key: 
they had to sign Bertuzzi. They had to sign Dylan Larkin. Like those two guys are unrestricted at the end of the season. You can develop kids like Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider, um, but if you don't sign those two core players, then you're then you're taking two steps back, and and more so Dylan Larkin than Tyler Bertuzzi. You could probably replace Tyler Bertuzzi, but he's a 25-30 goal scorer. Yeah, you have to be patient. But here's the question. Do you trust Stevie Eiserman to do what he did in Tampa and Detroit? If you do, then they're along the right path. They have parts. But when you sign that many free agents, and look, David Perron's been great. St. Louis probably regrets the fact that he's playing in Detroit right now. They, they've signed a lot of free agents. And when you sign that many free agents, like you're not a, you're not a playoff contending team. So they're transitional players. They get to a point where the other players develop, and then they they can be a contender. But they're doing all the right things. They're an exciting team. They score goals. They're on the right track. Do I think they're a playoff team this season? No. But they're much tougher out this season. You have to come and play 60 minutes if you're going to beat Detroit because their offensive weapons are pretty good. All right. And you got Toronto, Tampa, Florida, Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah. hey, playing better hockey, more consistent. Uh, Ottawa, though. God, I, I think people expected more from this team uh, in the mm-hmm. early going here, and uh, they're not getting it. Well, Josh Norris being out for the season, that, that really hurts them. That's them losing their number one center. Yeah. So now you're going to have to fo- move Stutzla up to play the first-line center. He's not. Re- he's really a great second-line center probably in this league, not a first-line center. So that's part of the issue. Uh, Kim Talbot just coming back. But, again, their defense, uh, I wasn't sure. But like, I didn't say this is a hot team that's going to improve by 30 points. I mean, they'll be better. They'll be better with Giroud. They'll be better with the Brinkett. They'll, they'll score more goals. Again, I think the, the goaltending is Cam Talbot going to stay healthy now. That's one question. And is their defense good enough? I just don't think it is. So they'll be high-scoring games. They'll be better. I think they're on the right track because they got parts. Love Shabbat. I mentioned the other the young kids. Jake Batherson's really good. I really love Stutzla. Uh, but, again, it's a team that has, like, the makings of a core Nux that can – be a championship contender. They just need to fill in more holes at this point in time. So I don't see them close. I think for them, a successful season is if they play 500 hockey. So that's one step. You go from like 60 points to like 80 points, and then you make the jump to maybe 95 to 100 after that. So I think that they'll be more entertaining. They'll be more fun if they get somebody. And it's good to be being more entertaining since they're up for sale. So you like an exciting team to be bought. But uh, yeah, I agree. With you. I think they're not going to be in the running when we get down to like post uh, trade deadline and once we get to the last 20 games all right we head out west to central uh dallas at uh, top uh winnipeg I, I honestly i'm surprised they're where they are right now second spot mm-hmm. there in the central and then um you got colorado and then 500 500 below 500 nashville mm-hmm. arizona is where they are but st louis Wow, uh, are they going to have to dig out again to make the playoffs here with Barubi, another miracle, or what? Yeah, and Barubi doesn't know what to do. I mean, the team can't score goals. It's simple as that. They, they had a three-on-none against L.A. last week. They didn't get, they didn't get a shot on that. Jordan Carr was a minus 17. I love that player. Like, he got a long-term deal. Robert Thomas, he's got, they, they cannot score. And, and Barubi doesn't know what to do. He goes, I, I can't tell you that we miss wide-open nets, and then the other end of the ice, there's guys, they're shooting layups against us. They can't, they're not defending at the net. And I think that's the more, look, you go through dry spells as offensive. But for this team to play this bad defensively where they're just missing assignments, I'm sorry, that just, that's, that, that puts you in a hole that they're going to have to dig out of. Um, do they have the ability to win seven or eight in a row? I, I think they do. Bennington gets hot. Um, they score more goals. But it's been a disaster at both ends of the ice. And it's been shocking because remember, Nuts, they were 3-0 coming out of the box. 
Yeah. They can't find it. They they can't find a way to win. Sometimes you just find ways to win and fall into two points. They haven't done that because one way or the other, either they miss open nets or their their D zone coverage has been terrible. So there's a, there's a reason why they are where they are. It's just been they have not played a complete sixty minutes since the first three games of the season. All right, now to the Pacific Vegas up top, Seattle. What is going on? Yeah. Seven four and two. They're right in the second spot, still early, uh, but you know that that bodes well for that organization. Yeah, I, I don't know how many games they're going to win with Joey Decord and Martin Jones's net, but look, people thought they would be better. Why? Because they added offense. They added Burkowski. Um, you know, they added Bjorkstrand. Was there. They, they've added players, and they're better. If they could score, you knew they were going to be better. So I think they're taking some. I think they're sneaking up on some teams now. I think to be honest with you, because I think that people are thinking that was the team last season that couldn't score any goals. They can score some goals. They came into LA yeah. second game of the season, won that game. So they're going to be better. But again, do I think they're a ninety-five to ninety-seven point team that's going to be, make the playoffs? No. I think success for them is where they are right now, about 500. If they can get to 80 points and make a significant jump, which would be significant, about 15 points, that's a winning season for Seattle. Do I think they're going to do like Vegas now in the second year, make the playoffs and have a big run? I don't think so. Because even with Group Aronet, it's not Colorado in front of that goalie. He's one of those guys that had the benefit of playing with a great team, got paid, good for him. But again, I, I think baby steps in Seattle, it's good that they started not quickly, but good enough. So that bad feeling from last season doesn't sink in, oh, here we go again. They're playing well. They're playing well on the road. Um, they're a tough little team. They, they, try for, they, they, they try for this. There's, the best thing about Seattle, they try. They give 60 minutes of effort for Dave Haxtell. That's what you want to see from this team. And they find a way to chip in some goals, so they've been winning some games. All right, Calgary, Vancouver. Uh, Vancouver still got a ways to go to climb out of their mess. And Calgary, they just seem to be they—they mm. uh, they haven't got it going on yet. No, because they played nine home games out of ten. Now they got to go on the road and play a lot of road games. And Uberdo has not found his way. Uyghur hasn't been great. Nas has been okay. Um, this team has lost. This team played five hundred at home when a big homestand to come off the bank. So I'm, I'm really interested because. When you added Kadri and you added Uberdo and you added Kenzie Weger and they started the season well, the first couple of games was really well. They've been mediocre. They, they've yeah. they, they've lost they've lost games they should have lost because they just haven't been complete. They haven't made a key play. They haven't made big plays. So I, I think you got to be a little concerned if you're in Calgary because of the imbalance in the schedule. When you've played nine home games and one road game and you're five four and one. You got to be a little concerned. So that maybe they're not the 115 point team that people thought they might be by making all these new additions. It's going to take a while. Yeah, and San Jose—they're just floundering yeah. at the bottom. But yeah, Dennis, um, just quickly, did you know Peter McNabb at all? I, yeah, you know, I, I did the Sad. Stanley Cup. Final, yeah, I did the Stanley Cup final for SiriusXM. We did the pregame show, and we were sitting in Tampa, right behind Peter and Connor McGahee when they won the cup. And he was so happy, and he, he looked fine, and he looked like look, he was drawn. He was still gaunt um, from the for cancer treatment, but that was in when? That was in June or July. And to get the news yesterday that he passed was just so sad because I, I thought he was on the way back to good health. And so Peter's a lifer, a very smart analyst, a very good man, and more importantly, just a good man. He'll be really, really missed. I was shocked and saddened when I saw the news about Peter because – uh, last time I saw him, they were so he was celebrating a Stanley Cup victory. 
Yeah, I certainly was too. A guy I played against for years. And yeah. honestly, uh, when I would look at Peter McNabb in a Boston Bruin uniform, yeah. uh, he just, to me, was not a Bruin. Like, he, he didn't <laughs> have that. He was a smooth player, great player. He was. And, yep. you know, he, he put the numbers up every year, scored 35, 40 goals a year. He was awesome. Uh, great guy. So sad to hear that. Yeah, and, terrible. yeah. So, listen, Dennis, thanks for taking the time again this week on Raw Knuckles. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll do this again next week. It's always great being with our Raw Knuckles. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it.